What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. So today on Sawyer Saloon, we are brought to you by Pelican Coating and Insulation. Now, these guys specialize in commercial and residential insulation. Uh, They do full house insulation, attic, metal building. They do new house, remodel, fiberglass, any type of insulation you need. They'll do your walls, your attic, the floors, underneath the house, whatever. They got you on all sides. Now, by referring the podcast and telling them that you came from me, you get 10% off of any job that's right 10% off of any job they are fully licensed and insured and hey it's just two local guys trying to make a living out here they do hard good hard work and they are perfect for your insulation job so that is pelican coating and insulation on facebook and they can be reached at phone number 337-396-1195 And make sure to tell them that Sawyer Saloon sent you. The podcast is also sponsored by SWLA Power Cleaning. Now, SWLA Power Cleaning is a pressure washing and soft washing business. They've been in business for over five years. They are fully licensed and insured. And through the podcast, you get 25% off any bid or referral. 25%. That's a hell of a deal. And, you know, with these times, everything going on, everybody is pressure washing. You got to keep up with the status, man. You got to get the front driveway pressure washed looking clean so that way Dave down the street cannot have a better yard than you. So make sure to hit up SWLA Power Cleaning on Facebook. All right, now let's get down to brass tacks here. Our guest today is Dr. Mitchell Adrian. He is the Provost and Vice President for Academic Affairs and Enrollment Management at McNeese. Now, he's here to tell us about the new student union bill that they're trying to pass, as well as what are some of the plans for McNeese and what are the things that students can look forward to. So let's go ahead and get into it. Welcome to Sawyer Saloon. All right, and welcome back to Sawyer Saloon. I'm your host, Jacob Sawyer Guidry, and I have with me Dr. Mitchell Adrian. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. So Dr. Adrian is the Provost and Vice President for Academic Affairs and Enrollment Management here at McNeese. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, what got you started in education? Well, it's uh, not a straight or direct path. It's, um, you know, not something I ever thought I would be doing. Uh, when I was about 14, I guess my dad put me to work as a welder helper in construction work, and I worked uh, summers through high school, uh, worked part-time jobs through high school. You know, I was always working somewhere sometime, and in the process of doing that, you know, I kind of picked up the mechanicing uh, aspects of work. I'd work on diesels and stuff like that. So, uh, upon finishing high school, I just thought I'd go to work. And I worked for about two years as a decent mechanic construction. When construction would fall apart, I'd kind of work as an auto mechanic. And while working as an auto mechanic, and I'm from Lake Charles here, I was working at the Ford Place and just got talked into going to college by Buddy Bolton uh, for a, a two-year degree in automotive technology because he wanted his mechanic certified. And so I uh, did that and found out that college was not that difficult. Um, course I was in easy classes they were all automotive related uh, so I was going to night school doing that for about a year and a half and then they canceled the program uh, not enough enrollment 
So, in the meantime, I had gotten involved with fraternity, gotten involved with campus activities, gotten involved with student life, and decided to heck this this student thing was fun. And so, uh, so I decided to give up working full time, started working part time, came to campus full time, became a student. Uh, very involved in Greek life, very involved in campus activities. Like I said, I think I was here from 79 to 84 when I graduated. Um, in the process of doing all that, uh, one of my advisors, Dr. Joe Cash, who was advisor for the fraternity, somebody I always turned to for advice, help, and so on, he said, one day you're going to be a professor. And I thought, well, you're absolutely out of your mind. I hate school. <laughs> I am so sick and tired of going to class. I'm so sick and tired of doing all this. By the time I graduated, I felt like I was done. Uh, so I didn't bother taking graduate management tests or anything like that when I was leaving. You know, everybody encouraged you to take a GMAT or GRE or whatever mm -hmm. in case you want to go to graduate school. I thought, heck no, I'm done. Uh, so went off in the Marine Corps. And... Uh, you know, one of the things I found out while I was there was that uh, my McNeese degree would take me anywhere I needed to go. Um, one of the early aspects of being in the Corps, I was up for a good uh, a good billet right after finishing the uh, basic school. And the finalists, the three of us, were me, a fellow from uh, Princeton, and a fellow from Michigan. And I got the job. So that's why I started thinking, well, my McNeese degree is not too bad. You know, I, I can go places with this. Uh, after the Corps, I got into the automotive business again, uh, working warehouses and stuff for a company out of Texas. Um, so traveled all over the country. I would open up an operation in a new uh, new city, spend a year or two getting it running, and move to another city, open up an operation, spend a year or two getting it running, and so on. Uh, in the meantime, I was starting to think, okay, it's a family business. There is no up. Mm -hmm. I'm not moving up in this business. So uh, what else could I do? And after doing it for a while, I decided that, uh, well, maybe I'll go back to school. And, you know, I ended up getting my MBA at Midwestern State University over in Wichita Falls, Texas, just where I happened to be living at the time. And upon completing that, I'm still looking for what to do next. And I have a habit of graduating during recessions, I think. You know, every time I graduate, I can't find a job somewhere. So I'm looking. And I remember reflecting back on what my professor had told me, that you'll be a faculty member one day and I thought well okay what, what is that what's that like and so I contacted him again I'd always stayed in touch with different faculty I had at McNeese uh, Alani Phelps had been a good mentor of mine uh, Joe Cash is a good mentor and so on so uh, I checked into it I got recommendations from them on what it was like what it takes to do it uh, where are some good schools to go to so I applied to several schools I was accepted at uh, several schools uh, Mississippi State seemed like the best fit for me went there um, graduated there. So this is about 96, I guess, when I start my academic career, really. And uh, went to work at Logwood uh, College up in Farmville, Virginia. And, you know, in the meantime, I had some opportunities to see what the academic system or, or educational system was like uh, in Mississippi, uh, in Virginia, and then uh, the opportunity to come here as dean of the College of Business in 2007 kind of led me back home. And parents are getting old. It's time to start coming back and taking care of them. Right. So, uh, you know, we moved back, and, and with some background of systems across the country, uh, it, it's kind of interesting to look at Louisiana and where we fit in the big picture of things. And so that's how I got into it, and uh, that's kind of where we are today. But uh, like I said, I'm, I'm native to Lake Charles. I've graduated LaGrange High School. Spent about half my life here in Louisiana, about half my life away. So... 
that's how I got here. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So tell me about the uh, reason why we have you on the podcast here today is to talk about this new student union bill. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that it, it got turned down last semester, but I feel like people didn't really understand the bill mm-hmm. uh, and the, the pros and cons of it. So we're here today, the students, to kind of hear from you what what is the bill? Mm-hmm. What is it for? Tell me, like I've never heard it before. Okay. What's it for, and how is it going to improve the uh, university, mm-hmm. and how does it fit into your vision? So you just take that, you know, one question at a time. So basically, what is the bill? Let's okay. Well, yeah, you know, I'm gonna back up a little bit and say this: that uh, with my background, I have uh, I feel a, a good understanding of what it takes to be successful after graduation. I think I know what it takes to be successful out in the world, whether you're in public service, private employment, whatever the case may be, and I have a good understanding of what it takes to be successful while you're a student in school. Uh, with that in mind, you know, the, the president and I both have a history where we've seen other programs, we've seen other universities and other campuses, we've worked at other places. Uh, we came from a similar time, he and I overlap uh, quite a bit, we were both students here at McNeese about the same time. Uh, in the early to mid-80s was really a heyday for this campus. Uh, I felt like during that time we had a very strong and vibrant campus community. Uh, we were growing. I think when I started McNeese we had about 4,000 students. We had about 6,000 when I graduated and ballooned up to about nine not long after that. Wow. So it was, it was a strong period of growth. And if we go back and, and compare where we are now to where we were then and compare ourselves to other campuses that are very successful, what we find is the secret to campus success is that campus community. It's how often do students come to campus, how long do they stay on campus, how much are they involved in activities on campus, or are they in Greek life or in the clubs or organizations, are they doing the things that help make them a student. The worst thing you can do is drive on the campus, go to class, drive off a of campus. Right, and I think that's a, a big issue that some people have here in McNeese because it's commuter. They live right down the road. So you know, it, we, we are not really a commuter campus. Uh, really? If okay. you look at the things that we have here, what's available, we're much more like a residential campus than people would think. Uh, about a 1,000 students live on campus. Uh, we have probably 6,500 students total. Uh, but when you look at the number of students who live within a two-mile radius of campus, there are you know eighty to ninety percent are right here. Uh, so everybody's right here. What happened though, I think, over time was we just allowed others to decide our fate. We uh, we allowed others to decide who and what kind of campus we're going to be, and we have to regain control of that if we're going to regain control of the quality of our programs. Uh, the student union is really just step one or I shouldn't even say step one, it's probably about step two or three, of a really massive undertaking of redefining who and what we are. Uh, We've already started the process of revising our curriculum. And, you know, that's the piece that students won't see so much, they'll feel it at some point. But working with deans, I have all, basically all new deans in place. Uh, We've got a great team of deans who are looking at uh, revising curriculum with their faculty. Not only we're revising the majors, we're looking at revising journal education. And I think that's a big component of it. We need to put what we're going to call the McNeese thumbprint on all of our graduates so that any employer anywhere, anytime can recognize a McNeese graduate as being superior to a graduate from any other university. And it starts with a foundation. So the foundation of revising what we have in gen ed, you know, the histories, the math, the sciences, mm-hmm. the basic courses that you take to establish your curriculum. 
uh, we're going to make that as simple as possible in terms of what choices the students take. We, we want freshmen to have very few choices. You come in and this is the class you're going to have. And we want the classes to be broad survey courses so that you're not necessarily getting into a lot of depth in a subject that's not your major. We want you to have an understanding. It's like I tell faculty, I want to teach students just enough to make them curious. Because if they're curious, they want to learn more. Right, and they take it on their own. As it is, you know, I think we try to push so much information so quickly onto folks that you try to memorize it, pass the test, dump the information, and move on to the next class. And that doesn't really help you much when you graduate and don't remember any of it. No, it does not. Uh, so, you know, our goal is to get just enough of the basic learning goals necessary so that it's something you can remember forever. So when you take that first math class, assuming you're not a math major, uh, you're going to take that first math class, you're going to get some basics that you need to stick with you forever. And, and I think that's going to be the key to getting the ball rolling and changing the curriculum and changing the way our graduates go out and face the world. Now, in order to attract people here, we need a better campus. We need a better hub for student life. We need a way to get students in and make that first year experience one that they just can't quit. Once you get here, you decide, man, this is just, uh, I'm enjoying it for one, and I see a future for two, mm -hmm. and I know that my future will be successful. That's the big, you know, three big keys there. Um, so once we get them in, we need to have something for everybody to do. What you find is a college education is not just technical knowledge. It's not just about what you learn. In a lot of cases, what you learn in the classroom is expired or out of date by the time you go to work anyway. So it's a development process. We help you grow and develop as a person to become the kind of person that an employer wants to hire. Uh, the student union fits into that because now you suddenly have this hub of activity. Mm -hmm. You have this place for people to go. For me, it was a new ranch. I never went in the old ranch. You know, there was nothing there for us when I was right. a student. New Ranch was everything. It's not big enough. We need more space. Uh, the old ranch is basically falling apart. The, the, the attic area is full of raccoons. We can't get them all out of there. Uh, we've got leaks. We've got problems. We've got, you know, major issues. that It will end up costing more to, to keep the building alive than mm -hmm. it will be to build a new one. Uh, so we're, we're looking at putting up a new student union, it will house a cafeteria, it will house dining, it will be connected in some way to the new ranch so that it kind of becomes a seamless uh, uh, flow of activity between the two buildings. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, the uh, memorial gym will become the ballroom. Okay. So we don't really have ballroom space that size. Para ballroom is the biggest room we have for, mm -hmm. for something like that. And we, you know, as a student, we always had activities and events in para ballroom. So this will give us more room for that. 24-hour uh, study lab will be there, you know, key card access kind of thing. 24-hour study yeah, lab. Yeah, 24-hour study lab will be there. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> whenever I brought this up, that was what a lot of people asked for, of course. And that's what, anytime we pass a new bill, I was in yep. SGA for a little while. That's what, that's what everybody wanted. Well, we're, we're looking for a way of having student key card access to it. And we want it close to the parking garage so that you don't have to walk very far across campus to get to a 24-hour spot. That's awesome. Um, you know, longer term, beyond just the union, 
we're looking at uh, adding a level to the parking garage. We're looking at another parking garage where the uh, fine arts building is, that big lot out there. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we're the Bayou renovation is going to be uh, starting this next summer. Uh, that will include basically look and feel of the bayou because instead of being a lot of weeds and stuff, it'll be a nice walking area. It'll be kind of like a park. Uh, but also we'll replace that old bridge with a nice wide walkway. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll really help connect the, the two sides of the campus a little bit better. Um, you know, long term, we're going to see uh, buildings go up that include additional student housing where the old student union is. Um, we really want to put more students on the campus. Uh, improve the first year experience, improve the, the activities that are on campus, and just make it more of what a campus is supposed to be. Uh, you know, a university campus is supposed to be kind of like the example of what good living could be. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we're trying to improve the look and feel, uh, attract people here. You know, if you have a junkie place, people assume you have a junkie degree program. Right. So, uh, we, you know, we want first class everything. And I know we have good degree programs because I graduated from one and I've been, you know, able to do whatever I needed to do because of it. And so, uh, you know, parking-wise, uh, it's going to take up some faculty parking that's next to Memorial Gym. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to have too big of an impact on student parking. I, I know students don't believe this, but we have probably one of the best parking situations of any university in the country already. Really? Uh, we have more parking places than we have students. The problem is we don't have convenient parking, <laughs> and everybody really wants convenient parking. That's true. You know, if you include all the spaces we have out by the stadium, we have more spots than we have students. Yeah, that's uh, a huge parking you know, lot. Go to another campus and you'll find out what how bad <laughs> it is. But you know, one of the, one of the places I went to school, I found that uh, I would park somewhere and then get on a shuttle bus, and that shuttle bus would take me to campus. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, compared to that, it's it's much easier here right uh, but we really like to park next to the building we want to go to that's we're spoiled so <laughs> and the other thing is uh, I think that we have to get accustomed to the idea that we need to spread out the hours of operation some uh, we all like our classes between 9 and noon mm -hmm. and the truth is if we try to bring all 6,000 students on the campus between 9 and noon then suddenly parking becomes a lot tighter. You yes, know, if we have more afternoon classes, more night classes spread out a little bit, parking becomes easier there too. Uh, and, and those are all things I think we develop over time. You know, mm -hmm. people get used to new, new things. Once you've tried it, you don't like it when you hear about it, but once you've tried it, it's not so bad, and right. you get accustomed to it. It's a new standard. So, yeah. change change is very hard for people to to get. Change through. is hard. Yeah, yeah. It, it's easy until it affects you, and then suddenly exactly. it's hard. So. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I will, because I was an uh, orientation leader, and I can remember us trying to fit kids into chemistry 101, 102, bio 101, 102. Right. And it was by halfway through the summer, it was, they were trying to find out where they could put new classes at because all the original ones had filled up. So many people were taking those. Yep. Uh, but I'm also, I'm really glad that you brought up how y'all are working on uh, changing the curriculum and stuff because I mm -hmm. personally, I hadn't heard about that. Like mm -hmm. you said, it's one of those things that we would feel and not really see. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because I knew that, I knew about all the, the physical changes that were mm -hmm. going to happen around campus, but I'd always been curious about that side of it as well. And uh, what's, what's the dean's name for the College of Business? He's come in to class a few times. Yeah, Wade Roos is the business dean right now. Yes. So he's good. Yeah, yeah He's good. Real he's good. come in and I felt... I felt very engaged with him, mm -hmm. and I've been in the business program for about three years now, uh, and I'd never really known the dean, but whenever he came in there, I mean, 
you know, he came there, he was talking to us, asking us what we wanted, just very engaging and the kind of thing that you really want to see from mm-hmm. your faculty and staff because it shows that, I mean, McNeese is pretty small. It's got that home feel to it. Uh, and that's what, that's what these people who are here love. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I've always told people whenever, because I came from a very small school. And so a lot of those people wanted to get out of the small town, which I totally get. And even me, I didn't think I was going to, you know, go to McNeese. Yeah. And, but I came to McNeese, and I chose it over LSU and UL. I got accepted into both. And coming to McNeese was the best decision that I've ever made mm-hmm. because of the opportunities and the people here. It's, I don't feel that my education would have been as direct right? And as far as involvement goes because of how big the other two schools are. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I think it's just the, the, the culture here in southwest Louisiana as well. It's just mm-hmm. I, I've been all over. I went to uh, I went to Houston this past weekend, and I was uh, standing in line at a hot dog place, and I met this guy from Lake Charles, and just just out of the blue. But it's just one of those things that we never would have started talking had we been like, and we both said that because we were from this area, mm-hmm. just very like open to talking to people and because I mean you get to bigger cities and they don't care about you you know they don't they're focused on everything going on in their life so yeah I found that uh, coming from here you know when you're young you can't wait to get away and when you're older you can't wait to get back exactly so yeah I I went through all that too yeah (laughs) um yeah you know I feel like what what I've learned particularly with this job is not so much about what you do but it's the team you put into place And I've got a good team of deans, and like I said, we're looking at revising curriculum as much as possible. Um, The folks over in liberal arts right now are are kind of taking the lead, and I believe they're creating a fine arts survey. Mm -hmm. Uh, An example, I ask, okay, students who come in have to take a fine arts. That's per state requirements for a gen ed. That's okay. Uh, They either choose a theater, an art, or a music class. Most choose theater because they perceive it's going to be easier. Uh, so I go to the art folks, and I say, well, okay, think about this. you got 6,000 students that come to this university, about 1,000, 1,500 per semester, things like that. Uh, 80 or 90% of them have never had an art class. Does that make your curriculum sound good? You know, uh, 60 or 80% have never had a music class. Isn't it better for our students if they have a little bit of art, a little bit of music, and a little bit of theater, that they all have a taste of Mm -hmm. just what that is. And so it's kind of a shock for faculty because we love our disciplines and we're trained in a specific discipline. What a lot of students don't understand is a PhD does not mean you're a teacher. A PhD means you're a professor. In order to be a professor, you have to have something to profess. Mm -hmm. And so we study in a particular discipline and learn the specifics of that discipline and learn a particular piece of the specifics of that discipline that becomes a thing that we uh, know know best. Mm -hmm. But for most of us, we've never studied education. We don't know how to be teachers. We don't know how to teach a class. We don't know any of that stuff. All we know is our discipline. You know, I'm a management major. I know management. That's what I do. Uh, So people who know art know art. People who know theater know theater, and people who know music know music. And so it scares the heck out of them to say, well, maybe I could teach a class that covers all three. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, when you back up a minute, there's a couple things you can do. You could team teach, you can have people split this up, or you could recognize that it's really you're talking about freshmen at a survey level. I don't have to be an expert in art, music, or theater, I just have to know enough. Mm-hmm. 
And I just have to know enough to make you, the student, curious that you want to go learn more. And, you know, maybe you'll change your major to one of these, maybe not, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, you'll have enough art, music, and theater in your background that when you go out in the world, you'll be a learned person. You'll be an educated individual. You know, you'll have something in these areas. Um, uh, you know, it, it again, it terrorizes faculty because it's so different from what they typically do. But I'm encouraging the folks in history, instead of having American History 1 and 2, just have one survey of American history, cover it all, beginning mm -hmm. to end. Um, we're looking at, uh, you know, I'm looking at uh, a natural science survey. So why can't we have biology and chemistry? And all wrapped up in the one. All wrapped up in the one. A physical or a, um, life science survey, you know, things like this. Just can we have a survey course that covers it all? Now, it's not going to be for a science major because that person should be coming in far above what right. the level of this science would be. But for everybody else, it's just a touch as to what these sciences are. Mm -hmm. so that I walk away understanding what is chemistry, what is biology. You know, I, I think I've, uh, I have my degree, but I've never had a biology class. Well, isn't that, uh, isn't that kind of lacking in my education? Right. It seemed like I should have had something. Mm -hmm. But as it is, I can make it with three chemistries and I'm fine, or vice versa. Uh, so we're, we're looking at ways of creating these survey courses just to help students catch more of the basics and try to make the courses as cohesive as possible so that you understand as a business major, for example, why you need art. Right. As an engineering major, why do you need art? You know, so I think the more students understand this as they come in, the more palatable these courses become. And it's not just something to get through, it's something to enjoy while you're taking it. Right. And to recognize that it does matter for your future. So. And I think that's very important because I remember we'd have Whenever I was doing orientation, there'd be kids who, in the business department, they're like, all right, I'm signing up for Chemistry 101 with a lab. And I'm like, you, no. don't, you don't need that. <laughs> you know, you could take, they have, you know, biologies or chemistries for that. But I think it would be better for them to have just kind of one all wrapped up in it. So that way they know, yeah. like you said, the basics. Mm -hmm. Because some of the basics of that stuff is very important. Yeah. Um, and, it, and if you don't have that, if you just kind of coast through it, and you're not really paying attention to it, and it's like okay, well, I just took three semesters of classes yeah. that I'm not, I don't really care for anyways. And it's, it's, it, I think it's a, it's a kind of a waste of teachers' time, but also a waste of the what the student could be learning because they don't take yeah. it as seriously as they should. Well, we're also in the process of developing what you know, for the lack of a better term, right now we're calling it Life 101. Mm -hmm. It's a Life 101 program. Uh, it's, it, it's really going to expand over four years though. Mm -hmm. uh, what basic life skills do our students need that they're not necessarily getting at home? or getting as part of their regular educational curriculum. Uh, and these are simple things. This might sound funny, but uh, do you know how to write a check? I do. And does every incoming student know how to write a check? Probably not. Probably <laughs> not. Uh, you know, we, we, we've gotten away from things like paper checks, but what, suddenly when, when you need to write one, do you know how? Right. Uh, my wife hired a girl from McNeese. Uh, I think she was a freshman at the time. Uh, wife's got a... a, a an insurance agency office and stuff but uh, she handed her some envelopes and said here I need you to address these and the girl did not know how to address an envelope wow. and so these are little things that we're trying to identify things like personal finance if you take out that loan do you understand what interest rates are do you understand what that's going to mean to you in terms of what you have to pay back um, you know so it, it 
we're, we're looking at first off for freshmen, the 101 level. How do you be a good student? What are time management techniques? What are good study habits? Where are things on campus? Where are the different buildings? Where are the library? Where are all this stuff? But also a little bit about personal finance, a little bit about uh, how to be successful in the world, and so on. Come back as a sophomore, do it again. As a sophomore, you probably need some refreshers on how to be a good student, but you need a little bit more on what's coming next, how to mm -hmm. pick a major. How to yeah. do this sort of thing. You know, in the career center, we're, we're going to expand operations of the career center to not just be how to find a job after graduation, but how to find a career that mm -hmm. might be right for you. Uh, junior year, you come back, what's an internship? How do you find an mm -hmm. internship? You know, and again, we, we'll keep adding life skills at every step of the way. Uh, senior year, uh, how do you find a job? You know, how do you dress for that interview? Mm -hmm. What's a mortgage? How do you buy a house? You know, all those kind of things that, that we need students to know before they graduate, but split it up over a four-year period so that they have a little dose of it every year uh, as they get ready for the new you know, academic season that's coming. Uh, so I think things like that, again, we're looking for that McNeese thumbprint, um, something that makes our graduates unique. Uh, my ambition, of course, it can't, it, it won't be achieved, but uh, I always work towards the idea that once you get a McNeese degree, an employer doesn't need to interview you. You graduated McNeese, good enough, come to work for me. Uh, so, you know, again, unachievable, but we will always move in that direction. Right, yeah. Um, but, no, like I say, we're getting there. It's a piece at a time. Uh, we're hoping that uh, we can get to the point where we, you know, we're looking at um, our, our gen ed curriculum, the pieces that become the real core we, we've talked about calling it the Cowboy Corps, the Cowboy Way. Uh, what's nice about the Cowboy Way is that also is a name that we're hoping to put on the walkway that's going to connect the uh, library to the new ranch and stuff through that area when we take down some of those buildings and mm -hmm. such. But uh, So we're getting there, and, and you know, we're, we, look for, uh, we just look for the kind of things that give us identity. Um, this might sound silly, but remember when they put the brick walkways in the quad? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you were here before or after the brick walkways went down. I was after they went Okay, down. well, before they put the brick walkways, we had just basic concrete. Mm -hmm. When they started putting down the brick walkways, you know, one of the things they put out there is a seal. Well, one of the things that I remember from Longwood when I was there was it is a university steeped in tradition. The school was founded in 1839, 100 years before McNeese. Lots of traditions. It means a lot to the campus to have these traditions. So I just started spreading the word that anybody who steps on that seal was had a higher probability of not graduating. That and, was and you. That was me. That's awesome. You walk around it, respect the seal. Exactly. Walk around it. And it didn't take long before word got out, and now you see the student just walk around the seal. Oh, yes. Little things like that go a long way towards establishing the identity of who you are. And, you know, it shows respect for the campus. Mm -hmm. Don't walk on my seal. That's my McNeese. Right. Don't, you know. Don't tread on me. Right. <laughs> I like it. And actually, that was one of the things we'd stop and take a picture at the seal right. at reorientation. And I'd say, all right, if we step on this, then John McNeese is looking at you right there. That's, that's, that's an extra four years. Yeah. We had this one kid once. Everyone was like, oh, okay, you know, respectful. This one kid goes, I don't believe in that. And he, and he just did like a like a like an Irish jig on top of the seal. And I was like, oh, good luck graduating now, buddy. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, that's awesome. And I think what's really cool about your plan is that you have a background 
in st- and you're not starting from nothing, but mm-hmm. you have a background in starting from nothing. Like yeah. you said, how you would go to different cities and start up a new foundation there, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very hard thing to do. Like you have a base plan, you have you've done this before, but you're still going at it cold feet, started something new. Uh, which which I really admire. I have my own small business, so I know what it's, it's like. Hard, huh? It is it is very hard. Uh, so I know what it's like to, to grow yeah. from nothing. And I've also I've also started doing stand up comedy, and that they don't have any of that here in Lake Charles. Okay. So I've literally been reaching out to people and just just trying to get something started. So I know I know what it's like to start. I'm still in the early stages, but I I, I know what it's like to to start something from nothing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that. And that, that you're able to do that and have done that so many times, I think that's that's really awesome that we have you here as mm-hmm. an asset for McNeese to help us build something new. I want to, I mean, I'm a senior. I want to restart. You know, come back. <laughs> oh, we're happy to have you. Uh, you know, we do have graduate programs. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I'm get my MBA. Yeah, that's awesome. So, what is y'all's vision for enrollment at McNeese and increasing? I know we kind of talked about it a little bit beforehand. Uh, about how you had that heyday back whenever mm-hmm. you were here in college. So what what are some of the things that y'all are working on to increase enrollment? Well, you know, again, you kind of have to look at it from the financial side uh, to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we have about, it, current operations, about a 67 to $70 million budget for McNeese. Uh, once upon a time, about 55 of that million would have come from the state of Louisiana. Uh, now they give us about 16 but then they also failed to support their retirement program. And so of that 16, we give back about $11 million to support that retirement program. So we end up with about $5 million from the state. Uh, so when you calculate all that in, you know, we get 10% or less of our money from the state and about 90% from the students. Uh, at the same time, the state controls how much money we can charge. So we can't go up on price to cover costs. Right. So the only real option we have, since we're primarily a fixed cost operation, is to increase the number of students. And, you know, our goal is to try to reach that 9,000, 10,000 number again, Mm -hmm. uh, get back to kind of where we were during our largest time. Uh, But the reason we do it is we can fund operations. Uh, We we are desperately needing to catch up on a lot of things. Uh, What I learned when I looked around the, the country is that we are way behind on academic programs. We're way behind on facilities. Uh, we are way behind on the quality of, uh, of, of you know, course content, things like that. We have a lot of mm-hmm. catching up to do. Um, we have a plan, and we won't go into it now because we're, we're trying to you know, come out with the right way of rolling it out. But we're going to look for external funding to come up with uh, money to handle our deferred maintenance. We okay. have millions of dollars of deferred maintenance around campus. Uh, we need to renovate Kirkman. We need to renovate uh, Drew Hall, we need to renovate Gill Hall, we need to renovate almost every building on campus. Um, and that's going to take a lot of dollars, a lot of time. Uh, in or, again, in order to keep the money flowing in for faculty, uh, salaries, things of this nature, we have to recruit students. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're in a fraternity, so you understand recruitment is the oh, lifeblood yes. of the operation. Uh, so for us, that's just like, you know, business with sales. Mm-hmm. They have to sell, we have to recruit. Uh, we have revamped our enrollment management uh, office considerably, um, and the processes by which they are going out and recruiting is much more extensive than it used to be. Uh, we start out, you know, in sales you do name bots. You, you basically find names of potential customers and go out and try to push your product to them. Uh, that is how we start, and we start with 100,000 or so names of potential students who we reach out to just so we can get down to that last thousand who come in as freshmen. Right. 
And, you know, once we have got the processes in place, we've been going through the steps now of improving each step. Mm -hmm. So it's like what they call the funnel, where the large part of the funnel, we have all these names that come in, the small part of the funnel are the ones who actually enroll on campus. We want to improve the capture rates of every level of that funnel. So we want to improve from the names that we go out there and inquire about, improve how many of those check back into McNeese, how many of those consider McNeese, how many of those respond to us, how many of those... uh, go through the admissions process, how many of those we accept, how many of those actually apply. So we're hoping that every freshman class will keep getting a little bit larger, a little bit larger, a little at a time. Uh, the other side to that is retention. You know, uh, enrollment is going to be both a matter of recruitment and retention. We've really started looking at faculty behavior, faculty performance very closely. Uh, what we call a DFW rate, drop, uh, it's a, a D, an F, or a withdrawal, you know, and uh, folks with high rates for what's going on in the class. Is it because of the content of the class? Some, some classes are going to have high drop rates just by nature of the course. Right. It's a tough class, it's a tough subject, and a lot of students who jump in don't know if that's what they want to do, and they jump out. Uh, but in other cases, you know, it's a matter of can the professor relay the information to the student. And like we had talked about learning objectives earlier, we're trying to get back to what are the specific learning objectives for the course and focus the course content around those objectives. Uh, it's too easy for us to say, okay, the book has 15 chapters, the semester has 15 weeks, I'll just cover a chapter a week. Um, well, is that what students really need to learn in this subject matter? Is that what they need to know to be successful when they finish? So again, we're pairing it back to say, okay, what are the real learning objectives for this course. Mm -hmm. Why do you need to know this? What will it do for you after you graduate? And stick to those things. Learn it to the point that you know it forever. You'll always remember it. Uh, You know, I took Math 113 and I can't really tell you I passed it. And (laughs) I I, I don't think I can do algebra very well. But uh, I also took management and I know that management is plan, organize, lead, and control because Lonnie Phelps ingrained that into me and I'll never forget it. so again, you know, go back to do those things. Uh, I think that the more we have successful graduates, the more we have a coherent program that people can understand why they take what they take, the more we can attract and retain students. So it's recruitment and retention. And something that had never been measured before was what do our graduates do after they leave? And most schools don't look at this as a measure of student performance. And we started immediately looking at this as a measure of student performance. Uh, I want to know how many students had internships, and eventually I want to make an internship a requirement for every student before they graduate, period. Uh, I want to know how quickly did they get hired. Where did they have their job in their pocket before they graduated? You know, and my goal is to have at least 80% of our students have a job before they leave campus. Mm-hmm. The job they want after graduation, uh, have somebody say, yes, I'll hire you as soon as you graduate. Um, you know, when I was at Longwood, we had, I was in the College of Business, and we made internships a requirement for graduation, and it changed everything. Within five years, we had some fits and starts because we didn't really know what we were getting into. Right. But after five years of implementation, we had smoothed and streamlined everything to where 98% of our students were employed in the degree field that they were seeking within three months after graduation. Now, when you start advertising that, Right. That's, you know, that's a big problem. 98% of our graduates are employed within three months. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad look at you or look at their kid and they say, okay, that's where you're going. Yeah. You know, that's where I'll pay. Uh, 
and, and we are partway there. We just don't brag about it enough. You know, nursing, we have 100% employment. Yeah. You walk out the door, you're going to get a job. Uh, radiology, you're getting a job. Uh, engineering, very good employment rates. Mm-hmm. You know, business, very good employment rates. And, and we have these things. We just have to capture that data and be able to present it to folks. And so we're starting to do that and starting to push that as one of the, the key pieces to say, okay, here's the quality of our program. Our graduates are employed this quick, and they make this much money because people really care about, you know, the quality of what am I going to do after I finish. Right. And a lot of folks don't realize, but, you know, I mean, these graduates go all over the place. We've got... Yeah. You know, uh, uh, KPMG, for example, an accounting firm, one of the big four accounting firms, well, they don't just recruit anywhere, but they recruit at McNeese. And quite a few of our graduates go there and become partners and are very successful. So those are the kind of things we have to capitalize on, and not just the one-of examples, but, mm-hmm. you know, the averages. We have to show what kind of numbers we really get. Right. Uh, so I feel like as we continue to improve our programs, if we continue to improve our facilities, we continue to show success after graduation, enrollment will follow. Uh, and we have to have enrollment to pay the bills. Right. It's just that simple. Right. So it sounds like y'all are really on the way. Uh, we're trying that yeah <laughs> and uh but i mean once again that's like you said you 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 built something from the ground before at mm-hmm. that uh is it longview logwood yeah logwood logwood and uh i mean like you said y'all built that out of nothing y'all had some some snags yeah. along the way but i mean eventually y'all got it in 98 yeah, percent what, what amazed me is we were in a town of about five thousand residents mm-hmm. and we had a campus of about five thousand students it, it was two thousand when i started five thousand when i left mm-hmm. I was there about 11 years, I think. Um, when we started the internship program, we hired a fellow to be the internship director. He was an old CEO, had his own company, retired and stuff. And so he went and called everybody that he knew, and he got a list of companies that would interview our students. Our students didn't use that list very much. They just tended to go where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, nobody does an internship in the town that we're in because there's just nobody there. Right. They go other places. And I remember this one guy who said, uh, you know, I want to learn something about the insurance business. I said, okay, well, you let, let me know what you want to do. And he comes back and says, okay, I have an internship lined up. Uh, will this qualify? And he wanted to learn about insurance, so he was going to Lloyd's of London in London and working for the summer. I said, uh, yeah, that qualifies. <laughs> you know, the company that started insurance. Yeah, that, that works. Uh, I remember one girl uh, went to Chicago um, to work for a State Farm, mm-hmm. and she put together or helped put together their big annual sales banquet thing that they have. Uh, one uh, student went to New York uh, for to work on the, the, the Today Show, and put together this uh, couple of their programs. You know, wow. uh, one girl went to work for Nick Jr. Wherever they are, mm-hmm. uh, one guy went to the bank in Tokyo, uh, and I have no, I didn't know if he spoke. Japanese or not, but that's where he ended up. So uh, they were going all over the place. It, yeah. it was just, it was amazing. I mean, it was really amazing um, to see the kind of places they would go once they broadened their horizons mm-hmm. and started looking outside the box. Yeah. And so that's the kind of thing that I hope we have here. You know, a lot of our students want to stay local, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the more knowledge you gain from somewhere else, the better uh, or more competitive you'll be when you start trying to stay local. Right. Uh, you know, it's a big world out there, and, and go out and get a piece of it and understand how it works. But again, it's um, I feel like the more we build our programs, the more attractive we become to everybody, and the easier it is to start to recruit. 
you know, we want the McNeese brand to have something with a lot of meaning to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, Dr. Adrian, uh, it's almost 10 o'clock. I know you got to get out of here, but I really appreciate okay. you uh, coming on the podcast. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Absolutely.